This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. So, Chris, even though the holidays are over, 2018 will surely bring some festivities to your place. So impress your guests and maybe just yourself with Zupan's new heat and serve appetizers. You can choose from their fig and caramelized onion puffs, beef empanadas, candied bacon jam tarts. Oh, that sounds so good. Many, many other varieties and they're available in the Zupan's frozen food aisle. Also, caviar. You can't ever go wrong with caviar. Zupan's features the finest selection of roe, both domestic and imported. Think about pairing this up with your bellinis or your favorite bubbles, which, by the way, you can get there at Zupan's. Also, don't forget, they've got these great Cellar Z regional dinners taking place. The next one, Cellar Z at Burnside, is Friday, January 12th. Take a tour of the food and wine of Emilia Romana, Italy. Sounds great. Four courses paired with wine. You can get details on that at Zupans.com. And you'll find Zupans Markets on West Burnside, Macadam, and Lake Grove. And of course, Zupans.com. time once again for Portland's Food Seed Podcast. It's right at the fork with your hosts, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And you, Court Johnson. It's great to see you. This will be the fifth year, fifth yeah. January. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. Is, is it the fourth or fifth? No, it's the fifth January yeah, that you and I year. have been in front of Mike's yeah. figuring this thing out. <laughs> figuring this thing out is, is very true. But I got I to gotta say, before we get to our guests and talk about some of your trips, uh, I am introducing this show with you today with a very full belly because I walked down to Burger Stevens, which is now down on Pioneer Courthouse oh, Square. Oh, I haven't been to that one yet. Yes. They have the fried chicken sandwich. Oh, this cool. is just This is just my PSA that everybody needs to go eat that fried chicken sandwich. Okay. I can't stop thinking about it. So you ordered it. Did you bring it back to I your office? I brought it office? back. Fortunately, but the, it was like maybe less than five minute walk because okay. you have to eat that thing hot. Yeah, just like the burgers. Anything fried, you don't want to let sit. Although I was just having a conversation today over an excellent lobster roll. Mm. Not to one up you on the Burger Stevens fried chicken sandwich, but I uh, I was meeting with my dear friend Kate at uh, of Provenance Hotels at Gracie's. Beautiful. Have you ever been in Gracie's? No, I don't think I have. It's a really beautiful restaurant. They have a new chef there. Um, I don't have all the details on that, but I ordered a lobster roll. But we were just having that discussion today that she's uh, she's doing a fried chicken crawl or something this afternoon. Oh. That you have to have that. Some of it, some fried chicken um, does pretty well for the next day. Others don't. Aren't yeah, as good. And, and I would I would assume this probably does, but it was just like it was just perfect. Yeah, I crispy. Guess, well, why did and I bring moist. it the next day? Was it like ten minutes later you got to eat? Oh it? man, I, I'm sure you didn't wait long. I wolfed it down as soon as I walked into the studio. I was like, well, you know, if Don's doing it, and he's been on this podcast, so yeah. look up an older episode in the archives as you can all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, if Don's doing it, his burgers are great. So that fried chicken sandwich has to be fantastic. No. But speaking of sandwiches, yes, we have. The uh, current Eater Chef of the Year, yeah. Gabriel Pascuzzi of Stack Sandwiches, who um, who has a sandwich place. Right. We discuss it with him. Actually, you know, you and I on this podcast are ahead of the curve because we interviewed him right before he was named Chef of the Year. We just we just knew it. Yeah, we knew it. And I also tapped into doing a Portland Food Adventures event there, uh, February first. 
we planned that before he was chef of the year. So it's nice to be able to put that as come enjoy. And by the way, he's not doing sandwiches. He's one of the reasons he was tapped as chef of the year is yeah. he's got a broad. He's he's broader than just sandwiches, and he but he brings that broad uh, scope into his sandwiches, so they're fantastic. Right. But we're doing a Calabrian dinner. Sort of in the theme of our trip to Sicily, which is going to be in September. So not to promote everything. Is there anything else you want to promote here, Court? Uh, Are your daughters Uh, dancing They're not dancing it? Well, there will be some conventions here coming up. Do we want people to go watch? I I think I'm covered. Okay. I think I'm good. Well, we're covered pretty much. I'll just mention this PFA. You can get in February 1st. We've got seats. You've got gift certificates. Uh, if you come to that, to Scotty's Pizza and Edmund Bean. And, um, and it's a great place. And it's really nice space. Have you been to Stacked yet? No, because it's on the other side of the river. You yeah, have a hard time a little, getting a little bit places harder on the no, other that's side why, of the river. No, that's why Burger Stevens was so convenient <laughs> exactly. for me. Exactly. So Stacked is great. And uh, also, speaking of the other side of the river, uh, going to Sicily, uh, September it's a big river. 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 days, we've got a number of people in for that. That's officially a trip now. Take a look at PortlandFoodAdventures.com where you'll see that. You'll see our trip to um, uh, Barcelona, number four, with Jose Chesa, and also Mexico City with David Briggs, who's also been on this podcast recently in the last two months, if you go back in the archives. We need to, this year, we're going to find a way to index those archives better on Right at the Fork than in the past but right. as it is right now by the way if you want to search the archives I've had a little coffee today. okay I can I can tell if you want to search the archives you just the best way to do it is just to google right at the fork and then the name of the person that you want to or even the restaurant we always list the restaurant um, that you want to hear and you'll find it that way so um uh, where was I? Sorry, I lost myself. Where were you? No, I, I, I was just right here trying to figure out where you were going. Oh, no, I, I know. I, I was just mentioning the trip to Mexico City David. with David Briggs mm-hmm. of Chocolato de David. I've now gotten good at that. Nailed I had to it. practice because I had a TV appearance mm-hmm. on KGW where I had to get it right. I can and fuck you it up it. all I want on this podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> I nailed Chocolato de David. I didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. I, I, got, I got to go right through. I'll, I'll cut this out. You are? No, I won't. No, no. <laughs> Leave it. There are other things to cut if you're going to cut. Sure. Probably we've lost Gabriel at this point if he's listening to this podcast. Well, he's probably should... thinking, when are we going to get to right. me? Well, why don't we get to him? All right, right now. So, where did you grow up? Here. Went Here? To, yeah, I went born and raised. Went to Wilson High School. Ahurst. Robert Gray. Middle school. And so, what was that? Uh, what was it, what? When was that? Nineties. Uh, no, I graduated high school in two thousand four. Okay. Yeah. So you went through grade school. It was the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess grade school nineties. Yeah. Yeah, nineties. Um, and so, yeah, that wasn't long ago, actually, that you graduated. You're a young guy. Uh, well, about thirteen years ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not long ago, Court. What do you think I about mean, that? Long enough. Oh, well, you should so at try. Least a, at least a decade. When uh, when, uh, <laughs> when you reach a certain age, you're going to be like, "Holy shit, I'm I, old." That's why I. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you, you. I mean, seventeen years graduated. That's or thirteen. That is that is a pretty. But at a certain point, you're just going to like, "Oh man, what happened to me?" 
Yeah, I don't know. So thirteen <laughs> seems like a long period of time. I don't mean, I mean to kind of. I don't mean to say that no, 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 condescending. Yeah, yeah. Like short. I wouldn't classify it as a short period of time. Like oh. Oh, I do. That wasn't too long ago. It's like well, that was a decade. So. I moved here in two thousand five. Right. And it doesn't oh. seem long ago. And it's a small. It's a much smaller percentage of my life, twelve or thirteen years, than mm-hmm. it is to you. So that's not. I, I just find that interesting. What was Portland like for you growing up? Did you think you were going to stay here? No, I always knew I was going to move. I moved when I was 17. And uh, what prompted that? Uh, just going to school. Yeah, getting out of here. Um, Portland was way smaller. It was, it was a, a small city with a small town feel. When you were in high school? Oh, yeah. You came downtown at 9 o'clock. It was dead. Uh, you could, you'd feel safe leaving your three-year-old daughter wandering around downtown when I was younger. It was just as safe as could be like you didn't you didn't think anything of it um i remember one day when i was a chef at whiskey library i got out of work because i left from 17 to 27 i was gone i'm you know i came back to visit whatnot but i didn't really hang out and um i was downtown i walked out of work at like 10 30 at night and I, i wandered down towards that food cart pod and there's just people all over the streets and a streetcar was pulling through and People were eating, and I just sat there and kind of just watched the city for like five minutes. Just like, dang, this is this is not the same Portland I grew up in. And uh, I kind of was like, all right, well, this is a you know we're now a medium city with a medium large city feel. So, and it's and that's the start of it. I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. What you're talking about now, down by your restaurant, there are cranes everywhere. There oh yeah, are things going on everywhere. They're saying we're supposed to get 120,000 people moving here in the next two years yeah like that. and yeah th- just this morning there was a tractor trailer turned over on i-5 i heard the commute was about two hours Ugh. So yeah the com- uh, one little problem terrible. that's it so is that one of the reasons that um the location for stacked was appealing to you with all that's going on around there um yeah it's definitely like a a future uh investment there but um also just uh, looked at countless spaces and just nothing felt right. And then as soon as I walked in there, you look at the ceilings and the nice wood, like on edge, dug fur, and it's like, yeah, this is nice. And it's really nice. I was impressed. Yeah. And still am. I did, that, <laughs> uh, that didn't wear off. Yeah. So um, that had to be... Um, that had to be fairly, compared to lots of things you were looking at, fairly expensive, right? And you're a young guy. Does... Had, uh, had, I got, I'm I'm a pretty ruthless negotiator. My dad uh, trained me well growing up. So what did he do to be a good um, negotiator? Well, he's a uh, he manages property. We have property management that my grandfather bought when he. Uh, so my great grandfather came over on a boat in like the early 1900s, and then my grandfather came over when he was like seven in uh, like 19. Uh, like 1920 or something like that. Uh, maybe and did they end up over here on the West Coast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my grandfather originally came over like most immigrants. You know, one family member comes over, makes some money, then brings the rest over. So then he moved the rest of the family over, my grandfather, <clears throat> and uh, he, I guess he grew up here and then started a machine shop not too far from where my shop is. And... Um, from there, he just started, you know, because it was kind of shitty back then. It wasn't expensive. 
he started buying little properties around town. And uh, that's what my dad and uncles did. And so I grew up in, in machine shops and welding and fixing But they were also things. investing too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it grew into like a, you know, got some properties around town. Not not all in Portland, like some in Tualatin and Tigard and stuff like that. So, Did uh, they help you negotiate or did you? Oh, yeah, my dad was. was I mean, I did the majority of it because, um, you know, you have to have the knowledge of the industry my dad just, you know, has a knowledge of real estate. <clears throat> so it's kind of mixed. And he knows, so George Killian, is Killian invest, uh, Killian built that building. And my, my uncle is my dad's senior. So my dad's 65. My uncle is uh, 85. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows, you know, George Sr. of Killian, you know, construction company. So there's that connection, you know, which you, you just never think of. Portland's really small. If you get you get down to like these families that have been here forever, they all kind of know each other. So yeah, was, they're not big corporate interests, but they kind of did what your father, yeah, did and your grandfather, yeah, yeah. just on a larger just, scale, just grew it. Yeah. So, um, but you came in never as an owner operator before as a chef. So, yeah. what experience did you draw from to be able to have confidence to know? Hey, this beautiful new space, I can make this work. Um, well, uh, I have a bachelor's degree from Johnson Wales University in culinary arts, minor applied sciences, and they do a lot of, um, you get a lot of prereqs that you'd take in any other college. It's like, a good you know, school. Psych, business, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so you learn that stuff. Then every day I rode to work with my dad getting hammered in lessons, uh, you know, being lectured. And then... Um, I helped open Paul A out in Dundee, like built it. With Daniel? There's, yeah, there's still things that I built. Like I built the banquette benches. I built the wall that frames up to go to the. Physically built them? Physically built oh, them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because, um, you know, growing up with my dad, learned how to use tools and stuff. Um, Wish I had done that. My father, my father didn't start doing anything with tools until I was grown and out of the house. And then he got great at it. Yeah. It's not something I have. So in my repertoire. Yeah, I'm definitely thankful I learned that. I hated it when I was 13 and being dragged to work on a weekend, but you know, you, you appreciate it later. Yeah, um, it's a good skill to have, and it saves as a restaurant owner saves you a lot of money. Oh yeah. Um. So did the Pauly thing was the chef at Whiskey Library uh, turned around their program there. They were losing money, made it so they're making a lot of money just. You know, really always asking questions and paying attention when you're talking to other chefs. And uh, I don't know, I've just always, always been that type of person. If I set my mind to something, I'm going to do it. So um, is the fast casual sandwich model, because you, you've obviously done some more highbrow cooking than sandwiches. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I was going to say, uh, I, I told myself I wanted to cook in Europe at some point, mm-hmm. and I end up staging at Noma, so... I mean, that's just like, just out of the blue, just applied and, and got in. People are like, how'd you do that? I'm like, just applied. You got to do it. Sent them emails, you know, and waited a year, but, you know, got in there. Did you get, did you get your, uh, did you get enough Europe while you were there? Do you wish you had a little more, a little more time over there? Um, I also did Italy in 2009. I went over for school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I almost... Before I went to Pauley, I was talking to, what was it, Il San Pietro de Positano, 
Uh, it's like a one Michelin Italian restaurant. And uh, I got, I just randomly emailed, you know, kept emailing, got a hold of the chef. He emailed me back, going back and forth, was looking down. I stodged down in, uh, I go down to San Francisco and talked to the guys at Bennu and stodged at Cyrus and uh, just was like, ah, I don't want to move there. Kind of just felt like I needed to be home for a while. So I just kind of dropped the whole Italy thing. But And did you think that eventually you wanted to get back to Portland? Yeah, that was always the plan. I was just like, Portland needed to grow up. You know, it wasn't, wasn't anything, uh, you know, when you start out cooking, you want all the, the awards and the beards and the Michelins and the Relay Chateaus. But, um, you know, you start to realize other things are important. Are the, are those still important to you? Not really. Um, I appreciate eating those kind of meals, but I didn't, I didn't want to have that kind of lifestyle. And um, you have to, it's I a lot of sacrifice. I, I already did it for 10 years. You know, I lived in New York and worked for Danielle and Tom Colicchio and didn't go home for Christmas. Didn't go home for Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, first, first 27 days in New York city, I worked 27 doubles straight, uh, it's not really at enjoy, $10, $10 enjoy an hour. Yeah, yeah, $10 an hour. Yeah, and what can you afford at $10 an hour? Yeah, well, I mean, they're like, well, I remember I moved there with my roommate. He's like, don't worry. You'll get lots of overtime. <laughs> 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 Which, I mean, you did. You didn't worry. You're you're taking home $800 a week, but. It didn't get you far there. I was fine. I didn't struggle at all, honestly. Because you're just, you're working all the time. You're eating there, and, you know, if I wanted to, go to a movie, go to another fancy dinner, go do something like a, there's the connection, like the chef would call for you. So you get hooked up, mm-hmm. you know, that you just say, Hey chef, can you make me a reservation at, you know, I went and ate at cafe Palud or I went and ate at Soto or, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay, they call and make it for you. You know, they all know each other. They, they style you out. You don't pay a, you know, an arm and a leg. It's oh, fun. You, nice t- thing. you take, uh, you take a date there and like, Oh, does this happen all the time? It's like, yeah, you know, it just happens. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Gabriel. Yeah, no. So does that that doesn't happen that way in Portland? I yeah, mean, sure people does. take care of each other. Here, oh, definitely. But I don't find it to be a uh, necessarily a, the East Coast. Hey, you take care of me; I'll take care of you. Well, I kind of it's, attitude. It's a little different culture. Portland doesn't have that fine dining scene. Yeah, but even without the fine dining scene. But that's the whole thing. That's that culture. Is we all like when you're in fine dining, you like you like so. Greg Gorday and I are good friends mm-hmm. because I worked for Paulet. Uh, Sean Temple worked at uh, Jean George. When you've worked in those kind of, you just you just know you just have like a connection. Like that's the whole reason I worked at Paulet because Sean called me up and he says, "Hey, I saw you worked at Clicko and Danielle." He's like, "I need you here." Sorry, not at Danielle, but for Danielle and. uh He's like, yeah, I worked at John George. I was like, cool, I'll work for you. Like, easy. Like, because I know we're going to be on the same level. And then, you know, Gregory came in. They were buddies from John George, and we all just kind of pal around. And you just, you just have that experience. You have that, like, sacrifice, that drive. You know you're, like, at that level. And so it's just like a shared camaraderie. Um, and so you just, I don't know, you instantly click. Like, you know, you could click with a guy from San Francisco or lady or whoever, you know, someone from Chicago if you come from that kind of intense environment, then then you just kind of have that built-in respect for each other. Like, all right, what's up? Versus like 
no offense to Portland, but there's there's not a restaurant here where people are consistently doing 60, 70 hour weeks as line cooks. You know what I mean? Like to put out three New York Times star food. Like there's great food in Portland, but it's just, it's a better culture here. In my opinion, it's a better culture for, for people to live. It's a little more democratic. <laughs> there's not the hierarchy. Well, and right? like, I mean, there are a lot of people who do, you know, you got some of the, the chefs who've been around a long time who are, and they're still in the kitchens. They're, some of them, not all of them, but a guy like Vitaly, he's, he's there a lot. Yeah, he's definitely hands-on. Um, I mean, it's taking nothing away from Castagna is just, or, you know, the likes or hold fast or those guys, they're, they're doing it rad, but they, they've all figured out how to do it without killing yourself. But if they were in San Francisco or New York, they, they oh, yeah, doing that same thing, rent, they have rent, to kill themselves. Yeah, your rent's insane. Right. You, you got to be there. You got to make sure, like, I, that's why I tell people why I did a sandwich shop. It's like, I'd be a control freak if I was doing fine dining. Because if I'm charging somebody, you know, seventy, eighty, ninety dollars, a hundred dollars for their meal, there's gonna be no mistakes. Like, there's no, oh, that's okay, or that's a little. It's like no, throw it away, start over. Like, and that's the way it is in other kitchens. Like, is so. that the primary reason you did sandwiches? And I think it looks like to me you've got the best of both worlds. You've done pop-ups. We're doing a dinner together. Um, yeah. You get to do that. But also put I des- out some great sandwiches. I designed it to be able to do dinners there. Mm-hmm. That's why I gave myself like a French flat top and and nice blodget ovens. Um, yeah, I just some some days I uh, my ego misses making that kind of food. And I think that's really a lot what it is. It's just it's your true. ego. Oh yeah, it's totally your ego. Yeah, you just want to make the fanciest, fucking coolest food you can. But you still can do that. You're yeah. Just not, you don't have to put it out every night. I know, um, you know, Rick at Lardo, yeah. his original intention was to open a nice Italian restaurant in Portland and do that sort of thing. I hope he gathered that Italian does not catch on here. Yeah. Well. I'm Italian. I love Italian. And it's just, it doesn't, like, I think Italian in general, Italian in general has a bad rap. Why? I think it's people I think Memphis of like. just closed, right? They, that they, didn't. That didn't make it. I didn't eat there. I can't really speak to it, but no. Like, but you can speak to the fact that it's Italian and it and it closed. I didn't eat there. I either. think I people just it. don't put the value. It's the same as like I think Mexican food is the same thing. You know, people don't put the value in high end Mexican or Italian food or Thai food. A lot of these, but they're just like, oh, I might pay that much for that. I can go eat a pizza or yeah. No, I know, see that. But it's, oh, there's this red sauce just covered in cheese, which is not Italian food at all. Uh, you know, same with Mexican food. Oh, let's go get a burrito, tacos. Like, no, but high-end Mexican food's fucking awesome. Yeah. No, it's And uh, Oswaldo does well with it, and Nuestra Cucina does mm-hmm. uh, does pretty well, Yeah. too. But, uh, yeah, people just... I know that uh, Nick Zukin has said people walk in and there's not a traditional burrito on his menu and they walk out. They don't mm-hmm. appreciate what he's doing. And there's incredible value and talent the food is great. I don't know if you've been there, but it's it's the same thing. When Where? I lived on the East Coast, I think 50% of the meals I went out to were Italian. And, and that's part of the culture. I lived in an area that was largely Italian. Yeah, but, but I mean, there's, how many high-end Italian is there? I there mean, was, there in New York, I can count a handful. Yeah. You know, Del Posto, Manresa. Uh, Did you ever go to Scala Nutella? 
uh-uh. in New York. Uh-huh. My memory there is sitting next to Charlie Rose eating. Mm. <laughs> One of my memories, anyway. But that was nice. But there's some high-end Italian there. Yeah. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't make it here, and people don't appreciate it enough. I don't think. I think it's kind of in general. Overall, in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, but I would think. Um, I mean, San Francisco does an all right, you know, pretty good job of getting some Italian in there, but French takes the cake usually. Right. And I, I haven't done the research, but I would imagine there are a lot more Italians on the East Coast than made it to the West Coast. But I, I don't know. know. Yeah. I, know. There's, I mean, I grew up going to Italian business. Well, now it's the uh, Bienvenuti Club, but it used to be called the Italian Businessmen's Club. Here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad was a part of it. Right, Still but there's is. not a high concentration I mean, some there of the used little towns that whole, I lived in were 40, yeah. 50% Italian. There, there's, yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of Italians in Portland, more than you think. They're just not, um, it's funny, I was reading, there's like my uncle sends me articles all the time, and there's like, there used to be an Italian sector in Portland with like a butcher shop, a pasta shop, like there's like a whole area back in the early 1900s. Where was it? Uh, it's like kind of like right around here, I think. I don't know. I can't oh, that's remember. Interesting. Like a Worcester Street from New Haven. I don't yeah, know if you've ever been there, but it's yeah, it's all Italian. Yeah, that would be cool. A little Italy here. There was definitely. Is that so? What's your favorite food? My favorite food to eat. Yeah, I mean, if you have, I mean, I know more, it's, it's hard eat, to. I probably p- eat more uh, Thai, Korean, and Japanese than I eat anything. That's else. what I was gonna say. I was I was almost gonna make a uh, <laughs> guess there before you answered that because. That typically t- tends to be what a lot of chefs are eating these days. 80% oh, when I ask, when we ask chefs, 80% now say Asian food, which, yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, I, just, I went to Southeast Asia uh, two years ago and just, I mean, before then, but um, yeah, I love, I love it. So the reasons we've gotten are flavors, that they're diverse flavors. Also, a lot of places... A lot of people in the industry, when they get out of work, some of those places are open mm-hmm. late and can enjoy those. But um, I've always found it interesting that it's that immediately, as Court, you know, predicted, it goes. Well, it's just they're not as heavy. I was like, I I don't I don't eat a lot of pasta as an Italian, which is probably sacrilege. My dad eats it like three days a week, but it's like it's too much carbs. It's too heavy. Like you know, too much cheese, too much carbs, too much. You know this or that, too much meat, um, and it, you know in, in Asian food you get all those fresh herbs that just add a ton of flavor. Um, I don't know. I, I really like Vietnamese food, which we we don't have a lot of great places here. But have you watched? Uh, just this is totally off on a tangent. Have you watched Ken Burns' documentary on Vietnam? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, it's really interesting. Uh-huh. Just how that culture changed drastically and how. They immigrated over here um, after it was all over. Anyway, I was uh, just curious. It, it, it makes you kind of sick to your stomach when you're there. Do you really see it? Uh, I went to the war, the museum, and they call it the American War. And how are you received over there? They call it's, it the American War. It's incredulous. They're, they're oh, obviously super nice. They wouldn't call they're it the Vietnamese so War. so nice. Uh, it blows my mind that, you know, we could basically burn 90% of their infrastructure. You still see people suffering from uh, Agent Orange. And there's still mines that go off there. And, and you know, old uh, shells or whatever blow people up occasionally. But they're so nice. And it's just, I'm like, what? 
most people would hate you. You'd feel, I guess you feel like you want to apologize and you don't have to. Uh, you know, I mean, none of my family took part of that, so I, I didn't. But I just felt like we went and looked at the museum. It's like the two people I with wouldn't even go in it. They just sat down, like we can't go up there. And like just the hair on the back of your neck standing up the whole time. And there's like notes from guys that were in the war apologizing and shit like that. It's just... Well, the documentary is incredible because I, you know, I grew up in the era. I was too young for the draft. Mm-hmm. But I grew up around then, and I had no clue how fucked up it was. Tiger cages? Ugh. Yeah, the tiger cages, but just the political things that were going on. Um, it's as scary as it is it was today, but I was too young to realize it back then. So mm-hmm. this brings it back to... Uh, brings it back. So um, do you have a long-term plan for Stacked? Is that, or, or for yourself? Is that the only thing you want to do over... And the reason I ask this is because there aren't a lot of guys your age who own restaurants in this town, I don't think. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of us, I think. Uh, yeah, but not a lot. You know, Willow, Holdfast. Uh, mm-hmm. They're smaller. Um, yeah, I mean, I think all the guys that do have been cooking since they were 15. Right. You know, so we're we're 15 years in. We're 16 years in. Which a lot of people don't get started till they're 21, 22. So I think, you know, if you look at, it's just a scale of like when you start. Um, so if you start at 22, you know, 15 years in, you're 37. Plus when you start at 15, you're more impressionable. So you're apt to learn more at oh, a younger yeah. age. Oh, yeah. Did you have a moment, do you remember the moment that you said, this is what I really want to do? Uh, because I may be wrong, but... For you to go to Johnson and Wales, you had to have that figured out before you went there, right? That would have been your reason. Uh, definitely, yeah. My my dad <laughs> wouldn't have let me go. He made me uh, my junior summer of high school, <laughs> your best summer. Uh, he made me go. My uncle had a restaurant in um, Big Fork, Montana, um, and he made me go work there for the summer. And uh, that summer, how do you make how do you make a junior in high school do that? They say if you want to go to culinary school, you have to go work for your uncle. Okay. <laughs> um, but that summer, um, I was I was like two hundred fifty six pounds. I, but I was you know strong, played football, sports guy. But I went up there, and there's there was only one subway. It's a one stoplight town. Turns into a yellow blinking light at night. And um, I remember I grabbed a soda out of the out of the fridge and he goes, what are you doing? It's like drinking a soda. And he's like, no, you're not drinking any more of that shit this summer. I was like, dang it. <laughs> so he cut me off from soda and, uh, you know, there wasn't really any fast food to eat, which was probably good. And he just, you know, worked and ate normal food. And, um, end of the summer I was 187 pounds. At the end of the summer. Yeah. Uh, it like, just the the connection of how much food affects you was kind of there. Uh, so, like, the health part of food is also important to me. Were you uh, always overweight as a kid? I mean, I always shopped in the husky section, but I didn't feel like I was... I wasn't like... You wouldn't have been like, oh, that kid's fat, but you'd be like, mm, he probably eats a little too much Burger King and drinks a little too much soda. Mm-hmm. Um, which I definitely did. The sugar intake's insane, so, uh, yeah, made that connection and that, and then. So what was it like, uh, going to Big Fork? 
I think I know fun. someone from around Big, Big Fork, actually, the other person. I mean, it's Flathead Lake. It's, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, there are, you know, some kids my age that hung out. One of them was, uh, I think I was 16 at the time. And he had a couple cabins on uh, the Swan River, and uh, it was like a family friend's daughter, and she would, you know, come in and change the sheets and whatnot. And she's like, oh, hey, come hang out with my friends. So it was just like, you know, summer hanging out on the lake when I wasn't working and played a little golf and hung out with my cousins and oh, it was fun. I didn't I didn't regret it. It's just like you didn't get to have that junior summer with all your friends from high school. And you still had your senior year of high school to go. Yeah, but I mean like, you know, that summer's kinda everybody's gone. So were you a jock then in high school? Uh it, or a our, troublemaker? No, our school start- wasn't really it's funny, our my sisters were two years ahead of me and it was real clicky. But uh my year was not at all. Everybody kind of did everything. You know, people that did sports also did theater, and so nobody was really... How were drugs in uh, high school in Portland in, mm, in those years? Nothing crazy. I mean, some kids smoked weed. A few kids maybe did some coke. That was it. Like, there's nothing crazy going on. Hmm. I would think it would be a little more rampant in Portland, Oregon. Or it would have been. No. Okay. I mean, just just drinking. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have some bars? You, do you, are you do you like to go out and drink? I'm not a huge drinker. Um, yeah, neither am I. I don't have a big list of bars I hang out in. I like to go to Deadshot here and there just because it's nice. But uh, I like to go check some stuff out. I like I like <coughs> bars that have stuff to do, like like shuffleboard or pool or something like. So you know, just sitting there drinking. Like that's what that's what New York City boils down to. Like once you go to the touristy stuff, all you got to do is you get to just like go drink. That's it. You know, there's not, like, you can't really escape to nature, go for a hike, or, you so know. So are those important things to you, living in Oregon? Yes, I mean, you get, <coughs> I surf, I ski, I like to forage for chanterelles, um, I hunt, so. What kind of hunting do you? I only do stuff I'll eat. So, uh, mostly duck, and, uh, like, pheasant, chucker, and then, um, I haven't actually ever gotten a deer or, or an elk, but, you know, I've been so in and out of Portland that's like, I didn't really go when I was younger, and I just started going the last couple of years. I didn't get to go this year; I was too busy. So, I had to go every like every other year. So, some years you get skunked. So, uh, you opened in February. Uh huh. So it hasn't quite been a year. Nope. How's the year gone? It's been an interesting year for, for restaurants in two thousand six. Yeah, this summer sucked for a lot of restaurants. Like I was worried it was me in July and. Just talking to buddies around town, they're like, "No, we're not having a good July." And why do you think that is? It was. I it was real hot, or I don't, I don't know what was going on there. Um, maybe. Yeah, the oxtail. I would think that it's not really conducive to eating you at ninety would be degrees. Surprised that people come in and eat. You that. would be surprised. We sell. Is that your biggest seller? Uh, the turkey hero. Did you think that would be your biggest? Yeah, seller? Yeah, I don't know. It's turkey. It's for the you know basic people. Oh. How, well, I'll let you clarify that. What is well, basic it's like it's safe. Mean? You know, you look at this menu, you're like elk, uh, oxtail, lamb, oh God, turkey, okay. You know what I mean? Like it seems healthy, even though most sandwiches aren't really that healthy. Um, so it's just like a safe bet. That's the way I'm, I'm that's the way I rationalize it. To yeah, myself. I would think if you just, if maybe if you called it meat instead of elk or oxtail. Um, braised meat. 
Yeah, but then I'm like, what meat is it? No, I understand. You can't do that, but I'm just saying that people are. I think people appreciate by, that by stuff. By what they though. don't know, yeah. Saw, some people do. Some people obviously know it and appreciate it. I yeah. saw it. That sounds good, but I think there are some people that, you know, see it and that's not appealing to them because they don't know it. It's unfamiliar. That's kind of our. Uh, I think that's kind of our our thing, though. Like people like that we have not just your basic meats. Um, like we sell a lot of the uh, elk cheesesteak. So what what is your brand, by the way? What 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 differentiates you? Because there are a few sandwich places in Portland now. Mm-hmm. What differentiates you? What if someone were to ask you, how's your how's stack different than other sandwich places? I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, you can name the big ones: Bon Lardo. Uh, I mean, Guero doesn't really fall. I mean, we know what they are. They're tortas. That's not really what we do. Um, I don't know what their whole whole branding. Is. I think you know, Rick's like we do pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, bunk. I don't really know what their brand is. Uh, for me, it's like we do everything in house. Like we cure, brine, smoke, roast, slice our own. You know everything. I'm sure they're doing some of that stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't necessarily mean it from a competitive nature, but just yeah. What... I I mean, I I also wanted to offer healthy salads. You know, because we got five salads on our menu. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've been written up for those. Like we, you know, I just, I wanted a lot of options. Uh, I don't like going to a sandwich shop and you got six things to choose from. And how often are you turning over your menu? Um, it was a little more often. Now we do probably like quarterly seasonal. Um, we have about three or four that rotate and the rest are pretty set. Um, so would you recommend someone comes in and says, all right, give me your best shot. What do you tell people to order? I, uh-huh. I know you probably think. Here's the thing about that. Everything on that menu, you have to love. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have put it there. So mm-hmm. it's it's not really a fair question. But No, I always give some people some sort of line like, that's, that's choosing your favorite kid. Exactly. It is. Um, for me, though, I, if it's if it's rainy and cold, I say, well, right now it's you know, rainy and cold. Let's go hot. Um, right now we have our uh, fall spice pork and our braised elk cheesesteak. I was like, these are... These are seasonal, so I'd go for those. You can get the other ones anytime. So, so what does it take for you to come up with an item on the menu? How much testing does it go through? More than you? Does your father participate? <laughs> no. Do you invite him no, in and say, "What do you think of this?" Uh, not two chefs, and um, <sighs> they both started like August. So I really wanted them to get to know like the menu and kind of see one change and see like my thought process. I've worked with them before, but just to like, it was in a fine dining aspect. They both worked for me at Paule and uh, they both worked for me at Whiskey Library. And um, that was definitely a different style of food. So I had to show them a different mentality I have with Stacked. Like it's a little different and just how to think about how to structure the sandwich and not getting too complicated because it really can't be because when you're busy, you can't have a 10 build, you know, 10 item build sandwich. So, right. Um, usually we try to think about what's going on in the farmer's market or what's seasonal as far as vegetables wise. Um, and then um, usually we try to replace like meat with like meat. So if we're doing pork, it can be like pork or chicken. Like, you know, um, if we're replacing like a, an elk, we want to hit like venison or 
water buffalo or something. I try to avoid beef. I don't like to use beef. I don't see a lot of water buffalo sandwiches. You know, I've been around with Jeff Latham yeah. of Nikki and quite a few events. He's serving water buffalo. It's delicious. Yeah. You don't see it served a lot. I don't see it on many our, menus. Our uh, meatballs, water buffalo and pork, and then our uh, our burgers are water buffalo and wagyu. Um, we had a salt roasted bison, but uh, I think we, we just stopped selling that for a while. The cooks had a trouble getting the right temperature with my old crew, so it was delicious. But so, so you've been open since February. Have you turned over a well, bit? And how 100%. do you one hundred percent, hundred percent? And so, how do you view um, what's the minimum wage laws? They don't necessarily apply to you as much, right? Because you're fast casual. They do though, like a dishwasher, right? Um, we. Are a completely pooled house, Cause right? Because you can do that. The chefs, you know, run food and clear plates, and so everybody's providing service. So it basically adds about five dollars an hour to each person's wage, and I just doing the like uh, what they actually make. Nobody makes less than sixteen fifty an hour with tips, which I'm you know pretty stoked on. Right, and do you think that is that one of the things that went into you deciding to open a sandwich? Shop versus yeah, uh, quality, quality, quality restaurant. of life for sure. Um, we closed at eight, so you're out at nine o'clock at the latest. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we try to advertise when we're looking for people. It's like, are you is quality of life important to you? You know, we try to pay pretty well and uh, try to give people like my um, sous chef's gone to like five concerts in the last two months. That's and, great. That's what and, we want to do. Right, and how you about know. how about healthcare versus concerts? Uh, I mean, healthcare is a whole other issue. I mean, Trump's screwing everything up now. Like it was hard enough to understand, uh, you know, affordable care, which is also the Obamacare, mm-hmm. which now people call Trump Care because people are stupid. Um, but it's hard enough to understand it then. They just keep fucking with it. I wish they just leave it alone so we can figure it out. Because as an employer, it makes it really well. Difficult. Yeah, now it's it's difficult and. Um, yeah, it's they've just confused it even further. Yeah, so it was, wasn't confusing enough. It's the goal to get uh, healthcare, but I mean, first year infancy, it's hard to afford. So, so you're not because we've had some people on the <laughs> on the podcast who have small businesses, and that they're either doing that or they're trying to do it. Yeah, you're trying to do it. It's yeah. ideal. I mean, you also have to ask how many employees do you have. Right, and and whether people will want to pay $22 for a sandwich one day. Yeah, because I have 10 employees. Yeah. Not including myself. And, you know, some of the small business owners have three. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's way easier to pay for three people. Uh, yeah, or at least offer it, right? I remember back in the days when I was employed, which was a long time ago, I paid. They just gave me access to it, and I don't know what they contributed, but I paid a pretty decent amount for my yeah, health care, but I had access to I'm it. I'm pretty sure your employer was paying something. Yeah. There's, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I have to check into it more, but uh, we'll see. Hmm. So do you get a lot of time to enjoy the wilds of Oregon? Do you get out? Um, I mean, I ask because that's what you're offering potential employees. And yeah, I've definitely sacrificed more of my time to start. Um, just n- s- literally next week, 
I'll start having uh, Saturday and Mondays off, which I usually have been working like five and a half, six days. Mm-hmm. So. so what do you foresee? I think I asked this before. For stack? 10, 15 years? Yeah, 10, oh, 15 got, years from want, now. What do you want to do? I want two by three and three by five locations. Um, I don't really have anything past that. I'll, you know, I grow stacked into a, you know, someone wants to buy me out. Great. <laughs> you know, here you go. Give me a check for a couple million dollars deal. Or, you know, maybe you grow it into this, uh, maybe take like that 10 barrel approach where they've picked certain like Boise, Bend, Portland. I don't know if I can go like San Diego, but you know, kind of like really target your markets. So how long do you think it would take to establish stacked in Portland to be able to go to? I uh, got no. So I said I want I want two within three years. Within three years, I want three within five years. Okay, I didn't realize that was. I thought it was restaurants in cities. No, yeah, that's probably. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go. If I want another Portland, I'd probably go like Northwest, mm-hmm. so kind of like like Slabtown area, but also like Lake House we go or. Maybe somewhere in Beaverton. They're pretty starved for good food. I think everything, you know, I live in Southwest. Court lives out in, in Tigard. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of choices out there. We have to drive in this fucking traffic to go anywhere. Yeah. It's getting better for me, actually, though. I la- live out n- near uh, Progress Ridge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just had, we have La Provence out there. We just had a little bur- big burger come in, a Blue Star Donuts. Yeah, but those are the little chains. Sure. Those aren't the, those aren't the, they're at least but they're, Portland but, chains, but they're yeah. exactly, exactly. They're the Portland. Same. They're they're not Burger King or yeah. McDonald's, right? But there's no there. There's no. There, I'm I'll, sure there's not. That's I'll what take I would. But I'll your same it. statement would be for me once I was moving out there. Right. Exactly. That's true. But when I think of Little Big Burger and Blue Star, those are well. Those and then are you got Lake Oswego getting a bamboo sushi and a salt and straw, mm-hmm. and uh, in that new development mm-hmm. so oh down in bridgeport is i that think where that's kind of the model is you create your name the press is in portland and then you kind of then you can go to the suburbs where you're not just lost in this mix of corporate mayhem and people are like oh i read about that place so it's hard to establish it out there i would imagine oh yeah nobody in portland wants to write about a place in beaverton yeah that's true and there was someone i can't remember his name but the guy had a Pretty highbrow restaurant in Lake Oswego, and he was on a lot of the TV shows. I can't remember the name of it, but that didn't make it. He couldn't. He couldn't establish something there. Is it closed now? Oh yeah, it closed a couple of years ago. He had a place also down a couple of blocks away at the courthouse, too. I can't remember what it oh, was, no. and I'm sorry, my memory isn't that good. But that's interesting. So no one can just decide to go out there and. Start it. You got to build it in Portland. Get the press and the momentum. Oh, that's and, that's my yeah. That makes strategy. sense. I mean, it's pr- it would. I would think it'd be pretty easy for Salt and Straw yeah. to open anywhere around here now because yeah, they, they have the, the recognition. Yeah, a line around the block. So, um, so that's your goal is to build a little a stacked empire. Yeah, I think we do different. Uh, like my next one, I think I want to do is like a stacked tap room. So it's like keep our core sandwiches. And we just did a burger menu and you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, have like 12 or 18 taps and maybe have a couple 
handmade pastas or something like that. Just like a little more family friendly. Customize it to the yeah, location. Like you don't want to do the cookie cutter thing. That's boring. No, and I think it's kind of cool to, yeah. to uh, Portland is a is a metropolitan area of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool to take a look at the makeup of a neighborhood and try to gear something that way. You know, there are a lot of business nearby for lunch. Families, you got to go that direction. Yeah, and I, I like sports too, so we get a little more. I think we're going to put one more TV in our current location and try to create that more like people want to come there to watch a Timbers or a Blazers game. Are you a big Blazers fan growing oh, up yeah. here? I mean, when I was younger, you could watch the Blazers and you go outside. Your, your, we'd watch them in the basement and we'd go outside and after every Blazers win, you'd get people hooting and hollering on the hills. Uh, that's great. I think the last, when Dame hit that, that buzzer beater uh, against the Rockets and you could step outside and hear people cheering and mm-hmm. fire engines were firing off, that's like it brought us... Like we looked, I looked at a couple of my friends who grew up here and I was like, dang, it hasn't been like this in about 15 years. It was pretty cool. And those moments of, since I've lived here, I went through a little period where I was a pretty big fan watching almost every game. That's waned. But those moments have been generally few and far between in the I last mean, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, def- I think since Dame's come to town, it's definitely, uh, I watched, I try to watch every game. So you still watching football? I find it a weird. I'm not an NFL city. fan. I yeah, like, I like the Ducks, um, and yeah, I watch the Timbers, I watch the Ducks, and I watch the Blazers. I don't. For a city that only has, and you got to consider Major League Soccer now as of part course. of it. But growing up, that was not even in the mix. That's not true. From no, were, it is true. I'm talking USL. about my growing up. Oh, okay. You know, there, but there was a soccer. There were four league. major sports. It was yeah. hockey, baseball, football, and basketball. Mm-hmm. Soccer wasn't. Soccer yeah. was like the USFL when I was growing up. Yeah. I mean, it's we've always been Soccer City USA though. Yeah, I guess. Every kid grew up, you went and you played soccer. But that's but that's very unique and Portland yeah. is unique in that way because you only have soccer and basketball. It's the largest city that only has two major sports teams. Every yeah. other city this size has at least a baseball team or a basketball t- or a Well, we a always hockey. had like the the Beavers or the uh, Rockies or what? We had a Triple A AAA team. Yeah, always. but I I will contend Triple A yeah, is I mean, not major league. It's I don't I don't know if a city would support. I definitely don't think we'd support hockey. I don't think it would support hockey, but I think it would support major league baseball. And anybody who tries to tell me, oh, it didn't work with Triple A, that's a totally different animal. Because I, I was kind of disappointed they didn't knock down the Memorial Coliseum and build that stadium that would hit balls into the river. Yeah, just like in in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, they'd have to do it on a smaller scale though. Yeah, it has to be you know maybe twenty thousand seats. I was really sorry that for me, I love the the what is now you know where the Timbers play as a mm-hmm. baseball field. It was the closest thing downtown. Yeah. It was the only baseball. No, it's, it's thing. like the only one of its kind in the right. Country. And I used to love Civic to go down Stadium. there even to watch. I didn't know any of the players. I had mm-hmm. nothing invested, but the experience of watching a baseball game was really nice there. And if you added the factor of a name, a superstar, Ken Griffey Jr. playing there, it would have been pretty oh. awesome. And Portland's <laughs> never had that opportunity yeah. to do that. No. Uh, you had to look at it, though. That I went to uh, Timbers games when they weren't uh, Major League. They've always been called the Timbers. and uh, I honestly have, didn't even know they were around before they were. Oh, yeah. 
I the watched them in high school. They're seven bucks a game. Shit, I had no idea. So they had nine thousand fans as a USL team. Yeah. Uh, I think the average attendance of a baseball game was like 1,800 or 2,000. Well, it's because I'm saying it was because it was AAA. If it yeah. was Major League and people grew up with that, um, like I grew up and I, I lived for a little while in Lake Oswego. I lived across the street from the biggest jock you could possibly imagine. He flew the flags, everything. He, he said to me, he said, I have no love for baseball. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't grow up watching it. It wasn't a big thing to him. I mean, now, I, some I, people I grew would up be watching Mariners the, fans. Yeah, I grew up watching like, the Griffey and era, like I can name that whole squad, but kind of died off. And as you get older, you don't like Seattle teams. Yeah, so, well, there was that rivalry. As, I think it's disappointing they don't have a basketball team. They, they may, right? Again, well, I mean, I, they took. It used to be the that. Vancouver Grizzlies, Seattle SuperSonics, Portland Trailblazers. Vancouver's gone. Seattle's gone. So mm. We're like the last Northwest team, and then the closest ones like Minnesota. You know, or you go to Utah, but like it's weird. This whole area is devoid of a basketball presence. Yeah, well, it makes the Blazers even bigger, and it shows mm-hmm. Paul Allen's uh, dominance, <laughs> financial dominance over yeah. the over the region. So, um, Stack is a great place to go watch a ball game. Yeah, yeah, we got a seventy-five inch TV. Barely, and I mean, most time you come in if you want to watch something, we'll change it for you. Oh, cool. I mean, if if a hometown team's playing, I'm like, eh. So, like, if I want to, if I'm hanging out here in the summer and I want to watch the Mets, do you have that? Oh, yeah. There's no sports in the summer. You can watch all the baseball you want. Yeah, but do you have access to it? Uh, You have the MLB package or anything like that? I don't know the MLB package, but most of those games are shown on ESPN. I'll bring my Chromecast. Yeah, something. Stream it it off the phone. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You could probably do that in the future. Can you just put this on, please? Yeah. Well, with net neutrality, maybe. Yeah. 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 So we started, uh, we opened Sunday yesterday. Oh, you did? And yeah, we're so open doing... Saturday and Sunday, and now we're closed on Mondays. And you're doing brunch, too? Yeah, both days. Right. How's brunch going? Uh, pretty good. Uh, what, do you, what do you have for brunch? What's on the brunch menu? I'm sorry for not asking you. Oh, that's all we're right. almost glad you saw Court give the signal, and you may as well get that in. Um, <laughs> we have, I, I'm about to change it. Um, I was actually texting with Greg Gorday because uh, we do like a community plate. Every month, mm-hmm. we used we had Naomi Pomeroy last month, and we had a uh, Justin Woodward from Castagna for the first one. Oh, those are and some they, nice names. Yeah, and they pick a they make a brunch item. I try to pick chefs don't use do brunch, and they you know pick a charity, basically like the Chef Witch or the Poke Bowl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we feature that every month, and then uh, we're about to restructure ours. I'm putting a Dutch baby on. We have French toast. We did have pancakes for skin rid pancakes, and then. Um, we have like an oxtail hash, uh, smoked salmon omelet, um, uh, biscuits and gravy, um, and we have a couple breakfast sandwiches. And no line, right? No you can, line. You can get in. Yeah, our first our first couple we were packed, but we you just I think the average person sits about forty five minutes to an hour. We have a full bar and beers and that's nice. It's a it's a really nice location. I found a little. A little bit of challenge once finding parking. Yeah, that's there, why. But maybe that's on the Sunday, other. That's the, the other reason opening Sunday instead of Monday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's easy. Yeah, it's wide open. So, I mean, I've driven by Jam or any of those brunch places. It's like, woof, that looks like an hour wait. You can come stroll right up, and in the summer we'll have the patio and open garage doors. It's nice. I'm so hoping it's a nice people vibe. catch it's on right to on, it. Yeah. It's not far. The restaurant is not far off of MLK. 
It's right next to the Hawthorne Bridge. Right, right next to the Hawthorne Bridge, and it's brand new space. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And so also, we're going to be there uh, February 1st. So anybody who's listening to this, this is going to run in January. Yeah. So um, February 1st, come to uh, our Portland Food Adventures dinner, and we're going to do a Calabrian. You're going to do a Calabrian? I'm not doing it. I I'm think just there. Katie was saying we should do a, a Sicilian yeah, well, that's what we talked about, but you did. You wanted yeah, to Yeah, I mean, do, it's, it can be Italian, all right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's a mix of my experience as a chef with what I grew up with, which what I like to eat. For well, Italian I kind of wanted to do Sicilian because I had just come back from Sicily, and we have, I just a, we have feel, a trip to Sicily, yeah, Portland I mean, Food Adventures, in, in the fall. So I'm sure there's some Sicilian influence in Calabria because they're right next to each other. Yeah. Um, so, it's I mean, right it's, there. It's, it's pretty similar. Um no, it's gonna. Be, I have some copas I'm carrying right now. Good. So, how do you know Katie? Katie's your publicist, Katie yeah. Burnett. Um, we met through Jen. I think I met both of them at. We were doing a feast event with Paula, Sean, and I were. Um, they just came up and they're like, "Who are you guys?" <laughs> we're like, "What do you mean?" Like, your guys' food is amazing. Where, like, where did you come from? We're like, "Well, I don't know." I, we both worked in New York, and we just kind of like. Like cooking you Daniel's out of the picture by then. And like we've been to Paulet and it's our favorite restaurant. We don't understand how you don't have more press. And we're like, yeah, we ask ourselves that quite a lot. We we often joked if Paulet was in the city, it would have been just crushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they just kind of, you know, you just meet people in Portland. And you, you just talk a lot. And Jen and I stayed in contact, and that's how I got hired at the library. And Katie and Jen are good friends. And um. And Jen, you gotta, you can't assume people know Jen. Jen Quist. Yes, yeah. Jen Quist. Okay. And then, um, I think they came to our uh, soft opening for our pop up, and Katie was like, "You guys need to get the word out about this." I was like, "Well, we can't really afford that." She was like, "I don't care. I'll do it for free." I was like, "Really?" She's like, "Yeah, this is too good." Do you to think like... she's gonna want people to hear that? Well, it was, yeah, she did a very nice thing. I mean, we pay her now. <laughs> right, right, okay. Just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, it was just to help us out with the pop-up. And she was like, this is just too good to be hidden back here. You guys okay. need to, you it's know, have some. It's good to have someone behind you that believes in you and that just wasn't hired because you were looking for, hey, who's a publicist? And someone. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't even really look at her as a publicist either. You know, I look at her as like, um, she's, she's a friend first, and uh, she's just, you know, she's very helpful. Those are um, the best relationships. I had an ad agency for years. I had an 18 year, an 18 year relationship. Yeah. Friend first. We're still friends. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think I would have hired anybody otherwise. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm not, a lot of places are expensive in town. I yeah. can't afford that. I'm 31 and I'm trying to open a restaurant. Like, you know, she's, she's a great person. Well, good. Well, I enjoyed, uh, I'd only visited once, but had the opportunity. It was great. Took half that oxtail sandwich home uh-huh. to my son and left it there and didn't tell him where it was from. And he texted me and says, where's this sandwich from? Um, he thought it was great. So that yeah. was nice. It was a blind taste test. And he had no imagery going in. Like mm-hmm. most people go to your restaurant and know they're going to Stacked. Mm-hmm. Some people would have read who, what you're all about, what you're doing. This was just a blind, this is a sandwich in a yeah. sandwich city. So We get a lot of people that walk in, look at the board, and walk out. <laughs> you know, they just thought it was a sandwich shop. Do you think it's too shop. overwhelming? No, I think, uh, I think uh, it's hard to 
put it in a category because it's not like you tell people, oh, I own a sandwich shop. Like, oh, a sandwich shop. Like, oh, cool, some deli meat. Like, you know what I mean? It's just not. It's just so much more than that. Well, and there's so, a lot there. And I think, you know, it's those same people that I said, not everybody's going to like it. Some people just want, you yeah, you're they right. want their basic, please. like, where's my ham and cheese? And it's like, you know, we don't have ham and cheese. Right. So. Have you ever thought of just offering that? Mm-hmm. No, I ask because I'm friendly with Ethan Stoll in Seattle, mm-hmm. who's got quite a few restaurants and he's got a lot of credibility. He came down here and went to a few sandwich places and his comment to me is, how come I can't, where can I get a ham and cheese in this city? So, I mean, I, I, s- I don't like ham and cheese. That's never a sandwich I ate when I was growing up. I just, I like to serve the food I want to eat. Right. Now that's, I, I, think, underst- I, think I understand that's, that, but that's. That's the recipe for any successful chef. When you start to try to cook to please other people, your food does not come out the same. You got to cook the food you like to eat. It's going to come out better. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some people that don't like it and some people that do. Right. There's passion because if you did the ham and cheese, people would say, where's, where's the oxtail uh, where's the oxtail sandwich? Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, that. No, like, for me, it's like I did ham. It's like, all right, well, i got to cure ham then. And then i got to have hams on cure all the goddamn time. And that's just taking up space in the room. i got to smoke it and it's just like, ugh. Sounds like a headache. You've <laughs> learned a lot for a 30-year-old guy in the business, I think. Uh, yeah. You know a lot. I mean, I've... You ever think you're going to consult? Sure. Whenever. Okay. <laughs> I think consulting is the easiest, easiest gig in the in the you know as long as I don't got to cook when I'm consulting. <laughs> so where are the so, where are the social media? Where do we find you at Stacked Stack Sandwich Shop? No uh, PDX on, on it. Nope. Just okay. Stack Sandwich Shop for uh, Instagram. And, All right. Uh, and just, we don't really do our Twitter. I mean, yeah. I think we have like eight followers. <laughs> I think that's falling by the way. So I, just my opinion. I just don't have time for it. Yeah. You, there's only so much you can do, and Instagram seems to be a yeah, great Instagram, restaurant. Thing. Facebook website. Cool. So find you there. Find you on Facebook and find you on, what's the address over there? Stack Sand. Oh, 1643 Southeast 3rd. What's the cross street? 3rd and Clay. 3rd and Clay. Cool. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you uh, in February. Yeah, definitely. First, start off the month in a cool way, in right? a delicious way. I mean, it'll still be cold, so that's when pastas and braises are delicious. Yes. Not too cold, though. Yeah. We're not we're not in the northeast. It's February February last year we were getting dumped on. Yeah, dumped, but not it's not freezing. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. Unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. <laughs>